All right, today we're going to finish chapter 8 of Zechariah. Um, remember that the chapter 7, chapter 8 uh, make up a single unit in Zechariah. So I know that we're, we're, you know, we're kind of cutting it up into different uh, episodes, but it's actually one big, one big unit. And so um, as we look at the last few verses of chapter 8, we probably need to, uh, to remember the context that uh, begins all of this that started way back in chapter 7. Remember that um, there was a delegation of men that had come from Bethel to Jerusalem, and they were sent to ask the priests and the prophets if they should continue to fast in the fifth month. Um, that, was, that was in chapter 7. Uh, we saw that... Um, uh, you know, during the exile, the the Jews fasted on four separate days, and this is in addition to the regular feast days and festivals. Um, they fasted and mourned and wept on on four separate days. They had these ritualistic fasts uh, during the year, you know, and they were they were mourning and and. Uh, uh, commemorating, so to speak, uh, the events that had happened to Jerusalem. Uh, the the months were, uh, I'm not going to go back through the exact days, but in each month, it was the fourth month, the fifth month, the seventh month, and the tenth month. They um, had days during those month, months where they weeped and mourned for different events that happened, you know, like Nebuchadnezzar's breaching the wall. They commemorated that day, and they mourned and weeped that it happened, and the beginning of the siege against Jerusalem, the assassination of Gedaliah, all those are, are, are we talked about back in chapter 7. Um, so if you missed any part of that discussion, you know, you can go back and listen to that podcast from from chapter 7 as to why these people came. And they were asking, you know, because the fifth month was specifically what they asked about. Do we should we keep on keeping the the fast that we have in the, the fifth month? Um, the fifth month was the the time where the people mourned and weeped for the destruction of the temple. And, uh, you know, of course, now Zacharias prophesying the temples being rebuilt and um, so they came to ask if they should continue the day of mourning for the temple's destruction since you know now there's a new temple there's a temple that's being built right here um, and of course if you remember if you listen to uh, chapter 7 you remember that God chastised them through the prophet Zechariah saying that you know they weren't really observing that fast for God anyway they were they were doing it for their own reasons they were simply you know taking part in a self-centered religious ceremony they were lamenting the judgment that had fallen upon them but they weren't sorry for their sin they weren't repentant they were remorseful that uh, they had been sent into exile and their city was destroyed and that all these events had happened but they weren't repentant for the sin that caused God to let his judgment rain down upon them um, all that's in chapter 7 and, and he really let them have it in chapter 7 um, but then we saw a, that he turned a corner in chapter 8 and he started speaking um, telling them that they would be you know inheritors of a great blessing and prosperity from God because he has not forsaken his people uh, he's not forsaken the covenant that he made with them uh, most of chapter 8 is taken up with God describing 
you know the the peace and blessing that will come in in the new era of salvation when God once again dwells among his people you know he he talks about how they'll be safe and protected and they'll be um you know they'll be part of his sheep and he'll be there with them he'll be their defender and we saw all that in the the last part of uh uh, the last episode of the first part of chapter 8. So now we're going to pick up with the final section of chapter 8. Um, God is still speaking of blessing his people here, um, but now he's going to get more specific with the men who came to ask him about the feasts, and, or not the feasts, but the fasts. And he's going to directly uh, he's going to directly answer the question that they asked. Remember, they asked, should we continue this feast or this fast because of uh, you know for the temple since the temple is being rebuilt and verse 18 in chapter 8 he says and the word of the lord of hosts came to me saying thus saith the lord of hosts the fast of the fourth month and the fast of the fifth month and the fast of the seventh and the fast of the tenth shall be to the house of judah seasons of joy and gladness and cheerful feasts therefore love truth and peace and so what he says here he, he speaks uh, he's, he says these fasts that y'all are doing these fasts that you have for the destruction of the city and the breach of the wall and the you know the the destruction of the temple these these are going to be turned to feasting they're going to be times of celebration and joy and and gladness and cheerful there'll be peace and truth and blessing poured out from God uh, we know from the perspective of the New Testament authors that this is God speaking of the promise of the gospel which which has come in his son Jesus and and we're going to see that from the text momentarily but but look at what Zechariah told these men he says there, there's coming a day when you'll look back upon the memory of the judgment and destruction of Jerusalem you know which is why these particular days were commemorated he says and you won't mourn you won't weep and you won't fast. He said, instead, you're going to rejoice. These these days, the, the fourth, fifth, the fourth month, fifth month, seventh and tenth, they won't be days of lament and empty re- religious ritual anymore. They're going to be seasons of joy. They're going to be gladness and cheer, and they're going to be feasts. It's when, when fasting is going to turn into feasting. I've been saying feasting when I meant to say fasting this whole, in these last two chapters. Well, now he says, I'm going want to turn those fasts into feasts now think about this for a moment Zechariah is he's here telling these pious religious men that uh, they have come to ask him about keeping this religious ritual about the destruction of the temple that they're going to look back on the destruction of their city by a foreign invader and the desecration of their temple and they're going to rejoice I mean that sounds crazy uh, but the point that he's making is an extremely important one. God loves his people too much to allow them to wallow in their sin. The judgment that brought about the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, it also brought the need to depend on God and a greater recognition of the the seriousness of sin. In fact, uh, God used the terrible events of uh, of the day of the destruction of the city to bring the people back to a place where they would understand their need and begin to seek him again um, for this reason god's people can look at the 
the the trials and the the difficulties of uh, of life and rejoice in the knowledge that God is working all things for uh, the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose this is why um, so many of the New Testament authors tell believers you know to rejoice when suffering happens rejoice when you're persecuted both uh, off the top of my head both Peter and James uh, and Paul and Paul tells us that that trial and suffering are, are used by God to grow and and discipline his people now you know of course I'm well aware of the fact that when you go through some great trial of suffering that's usually the last thing you want to hear you know if you're in the hospital it's it's probably not a good idea for somebody to come bust in your in your room telling you hey don't worry about it God's using all this for your good you know something like that sounds kind of crazy doesn't it um, but it sounded just as crazy to these men when he said you know what these days that y'all are commemorating these days that y'all are weeping and mourning because of the the horrible events that happened, the destruction that took place, um, those days are going to be remembered now as seasons of gladness and joyful and cheering. Uh, I can imagine them saying, what do you mean we're going to rejoice and feast on these days instead of mourning? I mean, we came here to ask you if we should keep this feast, uh, this fast, I did it again, keep this fast because... Uh, the temple's being rebuilt. I mean, and you're telling us that all of these days that we have uh, ritualistically kept um, commemorating the, the the awful events that happened are actually going to be days that we rejoice in. Um, he, he, he says, in that day, you know, in that day, he says, uh, uh, those days, those days won't be f- fasting anymore. It'll be feasting. Uh, and of course, in that day, which is the days that are inaugurated by the Son of God, the judgments of God and His His efforts uh, to reign in His wayward children will be cause for rejoicing. Now, I mean, I can I can tell you that many people, many people look back on some of the most difficult and trying times in their life, and and they speak about how God has used those circumstances to grow them closer to Him and to make His presence known and. Uh, to be honest, it's, it's not really an easy truth to absorb, but we need times of trial and times of suffering. Our hearts, they they want to be comfortable. They want to be independent, and uh, they're sinful. And it's only, when, it's only when we're faced with our failings and our weaknesses and our needs that we, we turn and focus all our dependence on God. The days when these people mourned the loss of the city and the temple would end. And instead, they would rejoice that God loved them enough to discipline them, to show them their desperate need of Him, and send a Savior to, to atone for the sins, their sins of their lives. Um, today, we have that, that perfect joy. You know, out of the ashes of the destroyed city of Jerusalem, the Savior of all men came and dwelt, and He dwelt in a rebuilt city in order that He Himself would build a perfect city the new Jerusalem where all God's people would dwell with him eternally. Zechariah tells these men that mourning and weeping is over. The marriage supper of the Lamb is a time to be celebrated with joy. Uh, Jesus even said so when uh, the Pharisees and uh, uh, 
came to him and said, you know what, the, the Pharisees and the disciples of John, they, they fast on, on these certain days, but your disciples don't fast. Why, why are they not fasting? And Jesus said, uh, they can't fast when the bridegroom is with them. Uh, he said, there, there's going to come a day when they will fast, when the bridegroom's taken away from him. But nobody fasts during a wedding. Uh, first century weddings were big, huge events, and, and you know the whole town got involved. It was a huge ordeal and, and uh, celebration, and the, the, even the most pious religious people wouldn't fast on those days just out of respect for the married couple for her fa- his or her family and and the rejoicing and it was uh it was almost a an insult to say that I refuse to rejoice with you uh, because I'm fasting today it was an insult to the family and so Jesus says you know you you can't fast when the bridegroom's here and so there are, of course, reasons to fast in the Christian life. I'm not saying that fasting is a bad thing and it's done away with. Of course not. Um, but the point that he's making here is these men were coming and they were saying, you know, should we keep this this religious ritual? And he was saying, look, all of your little rituals, all the, the months that you've set aside, the days of each month that you've set aside to weep and mourn over the judgment, all of these are going to be turned to to cheer and, and joy because of what uh, because of what God shall do in and through this people. He's going to illustrate that in, in verse 20. I'm going to read 20 and 21. It says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Peoples shall yet come even the inhabitants of many cities, the inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I myself am going. And so Zechariah foretells a day when people from all nations will come to Jerusalem seeking the Lord's favor. And you know he's saying that this you know they're rebuilding the city right now as as Zechariah's prophesying and so he's giving them hope of uh, a future time when the city will be restored to its former glory when God will dwell among his people but the quintessential example of the fulfillment of this is when men from a host of nations that are listed in Acts chapter 2 came into Jerusalem during the feast of Pentecost and were converted by the miracles and the preaching of Peter. From that moment on, um, from that moment on, the perfected, the perfect Israel, which was made up of those twelve Jewish men and those who who followed him, who were the apostles of Jesus Christ, they brought the message of God's salvation to Israel, and God added to His church daily. That's what it says in in Acts. Uh, from the beginning of Acts chapter one, all the way to Acts chapter eight, the church of Jesus Christ was completely Jewish. Uh, and they were completely and exclusively dwelling in Jerusalem during this time. During this time, which encompassed years, uh, during this time, uh, people from all over the known world streamed into Jerusalem, not just to uh, go see the temple or, or, or whatever, but to hear the preaching of the believers who fellowshiped and taught in the temple daily. That's what Acts says. It says that they they went to the temple daily. It's Acts 2.46. says that the Christians attended the temple together and devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and praying together. And so 
we see that Zechariah's prophecy was indeed fulfilled. People did come from all the, all nations into Jerusalem to hear the the preaching of of the Lord Jesus Christ to seek the Lord, the Lord of hosts himself. Uh, it says that God was adding to the church daily, and just in the few you know chapters of Acts at the beginning of the church, Acts chapter two, chapter three, uh, you see somewhere's up of eight thousand people. Uh, came to saving faith in Christ. It was 3,000 the first day that Peter stood up at Pentecost to, to preach. And then the uh, uh, subsequently in one of the following chapters, it was 4,000. So that makes 7,000. It was 7,000 people. Um, that uh, that came to know the the Christ the the I mean it's amazing the group went from in, in Acts chapter two the group of believers went from 120 people on the day of Pentecost to 3,120 by the time the day was over by the time the sun went down um, they became known as the way uh, and people streamed to the Lord Jesus as they came to Jerusalem and heard about this Messiah who died and, and rose again. Um, Notice that it says there that that they will come to entreat the favor of the Lord. Zechariah foretold that something that every religious Jew desired. They wanted God to be glorified and people to gain his favor. The only issue was that all they understood that to mean was becoming a Jew and keeping the ritual feasts and sacrifice. But Jesus came and demonstrated that faith in his perfect sacrifice is the only avenue to enjoy the favor of the Lord. And that's exactly what the New Testament authors make sure that we understand uh, faith has always been the instrument through which God's favor falls upon mankind. Uh, a quick read through Hebrews 11 shows us that it was by faith that all the patriarchs gained a good report uh, Noah Abraham all, all those it was by faith that uh, God was pleased with them that God worked through them uh, Paul demonstrates same thing in Romans that it's grace through faith and it always has been he shows us that as he goes through R Romans chapter 8 chapter 9 chapter 10 he talks about how it was uh, it was God's grace that brought uh, that that chose Jacob rather than Esau and those things. There's there's always been a remnant of Israel. Uh, there's a distinction that's made that a lot of people don't understand in in the Old Testament between the nation of Israel and the remnant of Israel. The all those people who were born Israelis or Jewish uh, were not necessarily um, the Israel of God. It's those who by who have by faith trusted in God trusted in the one to come the Messiah to come that is the true Israel you see the same thing when Jesus was born um, most no everyone rejected him the, all the most all the Jews rejected him but there were still the faithful remnant even as Jesus was a little baby and his mother and Joseph brought them brought him into the temple there were a faith there was a faithful remnant there it shows us in Luke chapter 2 that Simeon Simeon and Anna both praise God that the sal that they got to see the salvation of the Lord and they had been looking for the Messiah. And so even then there was a faithful remnant. The the point that he's making here 
is that they're going to come to Jerusalem and seek the favor of the Lord. And that's what was going on. Uh, the church did not stream out into the nations, into Samaria and, uh, and Judea, until after Stephen was murdered in Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter 7. And so from the time the church was born, Acts chapter 2, to the time that uh, the church actually was uh, pushed out into, so to speak, pushed out into the nations preaching, uh, men streamed in, people streamed into Jerusalem. Jerusalem to hear about this Lord and Savior who had died and rose again. And there is no favor. There is no favor of God uh, on anyone, not in the Old Testament, not in the New Testament, that does not come through the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, resurrection. The uh, the fathers uh, looked forward to his coming just in the same way that we look back. Um, the reality is that you and I are either 100% perfect in Christ or we're Zero. So this idea of um, I'm growing in the favor of the Lord. No, uh, Jesus has given us all the the favor that we need. Jesus has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, and He has given us uh, a perfect account, so to speak, uh, before the Father. Um, and so when I stand before the Judge, when you stand before the Judge uh, of all mankind, and uh, the only question will be. Um, how are your sins paid for? They'll either be paid for 100% paid in full by Jesus Christ, or you will have to pay for them for eternity. That's that's the only option. And so that is where the favor of the Lord is found. It's where the favor of the Lord has always been found in the Old or the New Testament. And so it says uh, in the last verse, this is going to be a short lesson because we took up most of the time last time in uh, the majority of chapter 8. But the last verse says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, In those days ten men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of a robe of a Jew, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Now, this draws two pictures uh, to my mind. Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, what happened? It says that men came into Jerusalem from every nation, and they were all, you know, speaking different languages, and what happened? The Spirit descended, and all the people, and the nations are listed in Acts chapter 2. All the people heard the mighty works of God in their own language. And so, what happened? All these nations did stream into Jerusalem. And they they were confronted by a single Jew, Peter. He stood up in the midst of the crowd and he preached about the the sacrifice of what Jesus did. He called the people to repent. He uh, he called the people to uh, enjoy the favor of God. Uh, multitude uh, and the the actual. Uh, the quintessential example, the perfect example of this would be the, the Lord Jesus Christ. All who come to God will come through him. He says, I am the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So, yes, uh, I'm going to, as far as me, I'm from I'm from Tennessee, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to grab hold of the robe of a Jew, and I'm going to say, let me go with you, because I've heard that God is with you. I'm going to grab hold of that the Jewish man. His name was Jesus, and I'm going to ride in on his coattails. I'm going to ride in on his work. Uh, I'm going to ride in on what he did. Uh, Jerusalem was the place where where it was done and and uh, God sent them out at Stephen's death but until that time that was the city and so uh, what we see here is uh, the fulfillment it's like I've said before 
the fulfillment to uh, to uh, of the promises made to national Israel uh, was fulfilled in a national Israelite. The the fulfillment of the promise made uh, to the Jews was fulfilled in an actual Jew, and his name was Jesus. And uh, what uh, the New Testament authors do is they take these promises from the prophets and from the law, and they apply them to. Jesus. They apply them to Christ. They apply them as the fulfillment of all of these things. And so what we see here is that even today, men from the nations of every tongue are taking hold of, of the robe of a Jew, and they're still saying, let us go with you, for we've heard that God's with you, and that Jew is Jesus Christ, and he did what no man could do. He lived under the law. He uh, lived a perfect uh, life, never breaking God's law, not even once, and uh, he offers us his salvation, his account for mine, his robe for mine. We saw that before here in Zechariah in chapter three. And so I would encourage you today to grab hold of the robe of this Jew and, and say, let me go with you. I want to ride in on your coattails. I want to come to the Father based on the work that you have done in the death and the burial and the resurrection.